Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. Hi, everyone. This is Jamie Catmull, your host of the Live Richer podcast. I'm so excited for all of you to be joining us today. We're going to be talking about something that we all want to do and wonder sometimes if we'll ever even be able to do it, and that is retire. I have brought on an expert to discuss retirement with us. Her name is Dr. Lakeisha Simmons, and not only is she an expert, she is a person who did it by the age of 41 and was able to save over $750,000 in the course of four years. During this time, not only was she going through a divorce, she was also raising two boys. She's an amazing human being, and I am so excited to have her here. Lakeisha, how are you doing today? I am well. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Oh, I can't believe you're here. (laughs) I I have been waiting on this so long, so I'm so glad to be here. Well, I am glad you're here because you are a a well of knowledge when it comes to saving money and retirement and how to max out your 401k. You are like a Yoda of retirement. (laughs) Well, thank you. So I just wanted to start out with you just kind of telling everybody a little bit about you. Um, I know you told me when you were a child that they used to call you the bag lady and your uncle called you that. And can you kind of explain why he called you that? So we kind of know your background and where you came from. Yes. Yeah, so I am Dr. Lakeisha Simmons, but that is not at all how my life began. As a young girl growing up in Indianapolis, Indiana, I was the daughter of teen parents. And many of us can relate to that, I'm sure. But what was so different about my story is that my mother, being 17, really just couldn't handle being a parent that young. And she did the best that she could, and so did my young father. But eventually, I went off to live with other family members. And one thing I'll say is we didn't have much money at all. And I still carry a lot of those financial insecurities as a work in progress. But what we did have was love. And I had multiple family members who raised me, but young Lakeisha would move around a lot and some would call it couch surfing and living with different family members. And so I would always have my bag of things, my special things, maybe a doll or a special shirt or something that was meaningful to me. And I would always carry it in bags, carry these things in bags. And so my uncle started calling me bag lady. And at the time, it was a term of endearment. But looking back on it, that just really shows (laughs) what my life was like, you know, and I can and I'm fine with it. You know, it doesn't bother me because my story made me stronger. It made me who I am today. And so for those who are listening, I want them to know that no matter what they went through, what obstacles they went through as a child, whatever they had to overcome, that that has made you stronger and you can do anything. And if I was able to save $900,000 and early retire at 41 from the upbringing that I had and from where I come, then I believe that anyone can do it. 
So how did you do it? I mean, you, I, I, when I talked to you before we did this podcast today, you told me that it all started when your husband left you. He just got up and left you. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So when I was a young girl, I was financially insecure. We did not have much. That's just the reality of it. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to go to college. Thank God for student loans because I took those student loans and they enabled me to graduate college. I got my bachelor's, my master's and my Ph.D. I really bootstrapped my way through and I was living the dream. I started working for a Fortune 100 company right out of college and I went on and pursued these degrees. And eventually I did get married and started having children and I was really living the dream. Had a nice car, big, beautiful home, five bedrooms, four full bathrooms. I mean, really, really a nice life traveling the world. But unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And I went through a divorce in 2017. And all those feelings of being poor and financially insecure, all of those feelings came back to me again through that divorce. And I said, what am I doing? Everything I've gone through, all that I've accomplished in my life. And here I am again, back at square one, literally back at square one. And I said, oh no, I cannot go through this a third time. I've got to get my financial life in order. And so that's where my story really begins with my financial journey. Because at that time I was 36 years old or so, and I had multiple jobs, obviously by that age, and I had some 401k rollover money, and I had some money in my current retirement account at that time at my employer. But if you really think about it, $125,000 at 36 years old, that's not going to cut it for somebody who even wants to retire at 65. That's just not going to be enough money. And I realized that pretty soon after the divorce. And I said, OK, this is the situation at hand. This is what I've got to do. I'm going to sell this house. And so that's really how I started to build the wealth. It really honestly comes down to how much of your money that you make that you can keep and invest into assets that produce a return. That's the secret sauce. Whatever you have, keep as much of it as you can to invest. And that is how I did it. That's exactly how I did it. So, I mean, you did it in four years. Where did you cut? Did you start budgeting? I mean, how did, I mean, you started fire. Tell me, what did you do? If I was a person right now and I'm like, hey, I want to retire Mm -hmm. in four or five years. What do I need to do, Lakeisha? What would you tell me to do? The first thing I would tell you to do is get your mind right, (laughs) okay? And that means that you're gonna have to throw away the status quo, you're gonna have to not wanna keep up with the Joneses, and you're gonna think about what you value. So Jamie, what do you value? If it's your children spending time with them, if it's uh, traveling, if it's cooking at home to really just eat healthier and improve your health, what are the things that at the end of the day, Without money, what do you, what really matters to you? That's where you start. So for me, that's where I started. And I realized that a big fancy house that cost me $2,400 a month, $2,410 to be exact, I realized that I didn't value that. The big house, that was for everybody else to look at and say, oh, wow, she lives in a nice house. I 
had, no, I had to get rid of the house. So I sold the house first and then I had $35,000 and I said, what can I do with this money based on my values? And my values were time. I had two small children at the time and I needed to reduce my stress of working a lot, researching a lot, side hustling a lot to make ends meet, as well as taking care of the children, trying to spend time with them, take them on experiences that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. You know, I had all these pressures. So I sold the house and I had this $35,000 I said, what can I do with it? And so literally I got on google.com and I searched what to do with the windfall of money, what to do with proceeds from the sale of a house, what to do if you want more free time, what to do if you want to retire early. So I just started manifesting, what do I really want my life to look like? And that's when I realized I don't want to work until I'm 65 and I never want to be financially insecure again. I don't care about really anything else, but I cannot go back to a position where I'm living paycheck to paycheck and scared that I'm not going to make enough money to make the ends meet or to take care of my children. Never again. So through that Google searching, I came across this concept of FIRE, financial independence, retire early. Let me tell you, it changed my entire mindset. It changed my entire life. And that's the reason we're on this call today. Because FIRE said, reduce your expenses, increase your investing. And no, I was not on beans and rice doing it because I know what I value. I know that I value travel. So that made it easier for me to cut expenses such as my mobile phone bill. I was paying $100 a month with a major carrier for my iPhone. But I realized later, once I started looking at that budget, which I call my budget bestie, that that was $1,200 a year just for mobile phone service. And so I went back online and searched, how do I reduce my mobile phone bill? And I learned that there are low cost carriers out there. And so I went with one of the major low cost players and I reduced my mobile phone bill from $100 a month to $180 for the entire year. What? Does the phone work? Yes. I mean, do you have service? <laughs> I don't that know. is it the seems, most popular question. I'm serious. Like, are you sure? Are you sure that's a real <laughs> yes. service? It's a real service. Did I and call Mint you Mobile, on it? <laughs> Mint Mobile. I'm telling you, I have been the biggest spokesperson for Mint Mobile. Ryan Reynolds, if you're listening, please call me because <laughs> everywhere I go, I'm talking about Mint Mobile. But yes, and I, all my friends and family are now on Mint Mobile because it just saves so much money. Yes, you can take it out of the country. No, I don't have drop calls. I have an iPhone 13. So it works fine. I've had it for several years. So that was just one of the things that I did, Jamie, to reduce my cost. But essentially, you have to live by a budget. And I call my budget my budget bestie. And I give my budget away free on my website. But the, be the budget allows you to look at all of your expenses for the entire month and for the entire year so that you can forecast and look and see, wow, I didn't realize I was spending $1,200 a year on mobile phone service. I didn't realize that my insurance is $2,000 a year. Could I get a cheaper rate? I didn't realize that I paid, you know, I'm paying $1,000 a year for subscriptions. Do I really want to pay $1,000 a year for subscriptions? No. 
right? So looking at the budget and having it on one sheet and you can easily say, uh, I don't really want to pay. I think my cable bill was $150 a month. I don't want to pay $150 a month for cable. I don't value it that much. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes perfect sense. And I think a lot of times everything's on set on auto pay mm -hmm. and you don't even realize how much things are costing you. And I can see why putting it all out there, like you were saying, and putting on a budget could really change your view on if you want to pay for it or not. Absolutely. You have to have it all in black and white right in front of you, every single expense. Because then once you do that, then you can say, all right, I'm going to cut here, cut here, cut here. And then you can increase your savings rate just that quickly. So, um, for example, for me, when I first started in 2017, I was only putting away about 10 to 15 percent a month in either savings or my 401k. And I quickly realized with the fire movement that if I wanted to become financially independent way before I was 65 years old, I would have to increase my savings rate or investing rate. So I, that was my next goal. And that's what I would tell anyone is that look at how much you're actually able to save a month. And if that's less than 50% of your income, then take a closer look and see how you can increase that savings rate. So by the time that I actually fired at 41, my savings and investing rate was 60% of my income. Okay. Were you making, I mean, how much were you making a month? Can you tell me that? I mean, I'm just curious. Yes. Well, first I want to tell you how much I was investing. All right. Okay. So because okay. let's look at, so step one is the budget, right? That's step one. And we're, we love our budget. It's our bestie. It's our budget bestie. Okay. It's, it's nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> and step two is retirement accounts and figuring out how you can maximize those. So there's something called a 401k, which most people are familiar with or they've heard of it. And what that is, is a tax deferred account, which means that that money that you allocate to your 401k will be sent to your stock investments before your money is taxed out of your paycheck. So it's basically pre-taxed or tax deferred. And so then you can invest that money in the stock market before you have to pay taxes on it. So you won't pay taxes on it until down the road when you're ready to actually take the money out of the stocks or sell stocks and use it to live on. So all that money can grow over time in the stock market without being taxed. So that's the benefit of it. And that will help you increase your savings rate if you can increase that amount each month and reduce your tax bill, which is what helped me be able to invest more. So it's not, again, it's not about how much money you make because I think that's an easy way out to say, oh, this person makes $75,000 a year. Well, no wonder they were able to do it. No, that's not it at all. It's about how much money you're able to keep and invest. So the 401k max amount in, in previous years has been around $18,000, $19,000, $20,000 a year. It goes up a little bit each year. And so I worked my way up from only 10% of that to being able to max it out for the year at, you know, whatever it was for the year, $18,000 or $19,000 a year. Then I found out that teachers, policemen, fire men, doctors, nurses, they also usually have access to another tax deferred account called a 457B. 
that account, which I didn't even know about until I got onto this path to fire, allowed me to invest another 20,000, 18,000, 19, depending on the year, into another tax deferred account. So I got to the point, Jamie, where I was maxing them both out close to $40,000 a year. All right. But remember, this is all before taxes in my paycheck. So if you can take that money and save it before, look how much money I saved in taxes every month. That's a lot, actually. And that's a lot. It's a, really a lot. And then I just was listening to another podcast, actually, and they were talking about um, millionaires and they had just done a study and they said that out of their study, it w- actually, which was really surprising, it was teachers who were the third most millionaires in the United States. Like, and I said, and people were like, teachers, they don't make enough money, right? But actually, maybe it's because a lot of them know about this program that you're talking about. And a lot of them were teachers who were married to policemen. So they would do double <laughs> of what you were just saying. And I only thought about that because you just said that. And how they were, they were people who saved so that they were able to become millionaires, just like yes. you're talking about using these programs. So it's very interesting to me that it's not, like you said, it's not about how much you make, because these aren't people who are making huge amounts of money, but the, somehow they're still able to become millionaires. And then they're just doing well, what you're it, talking yes. about, Leticia. It's, it's really all about being consistent. So just the way you may pay your bills on autopilot, you want to save and invest on autopilot. So if your goal it right now, maybe if you're saving or investing 3%, Try to increase that to 6% and see how it feels, right? That's what I did in 2017. And each month, I would try to see if I can increase it by 1%. What can I cut this month or how can I reduce my grocery bill, which I also did. You know, I stopped shopping at the bigger box stores and I started shopping at Aldi first. Again, Aldi I'm always talking so, about Aldi. Really? <laughs> Are you serious? I've never been there. We have them oh where I'm goodness. at. They just opened up and I was like, what's the deal with that store? So you, you can save it. money there. When I tell you that I would say I shave at least 30% off my bill by shopping there versus the bigger name stores. And I don't have anything against the bigger name stores, but Aldi has quality products. They have gluten-free, they have vegetarian products. They have lots of fresh produce. I love shopping there. It's a no-nonsense store. You can get in, you can get out. And it just saves me a ton of money on my my grocery bill. So you didn't start clipping coupons? Did you do any of those things to? No, I didn't. But I probably should because I could save even more money (laughs) if I start clipping coupons. (laughs) So how much was your budget after you cut all these things out? What were you and your um, boys living off of? Yes. So I had been consistently been able to live on just under $40,000 a year. Yeah, for the boys and me. So once we sold that house, I reduced my home expense. So my mortgage was $24,10 a month. That I immediately shaved $1,000 off that alone. And then my utilities were so much less because in the big house, I consistently had a $300 a month electric bill. So that would went down way down to $50 a month, right? And so it just things like lawn care, garbage disposal, all those things I didn't have to pay for anymore. And I decided the best thing to do was to increase my savings rate, increase my 401k contributions 
And then I started maxing out my Roth. And so then that's where all the side hustle money came in, right? So all my side hustle money, I would take that and invest it. Because once I maxed out my 401k and my 457 and my Roth IRA, those are our retirement accounts. I had to open up an additional investment account so that I could be even more aggressive in, in my savings and investing. So how much in all were you putting away, like investing every month? So each month, let's see. Well, I can tell you for the year, I, I look at things in terms of a year. That's, okay. for, that's just the way my brain works. It's harder for me to look at it month to month because I need to see the long-term picture. So for um, the year, I was investing about $40,000 in tax deferred accounts. I would invest 6,000 in my Roth or 5,000 or whatever it was for the year. You know, those change a little bit each year. And then outside of that, my goal was to put anywhere from 10, let's see, uh, for the year, probably 10 to 20 to 30,000 extra a year into the investment accounts, the outside investment account. So that would come from speaking engagements, selling my book, <laughs> uh, anytime I could figure out another way to help someone with their resume. Someone was going on an interview, I could sit with them and mock interview them, right? So I would use my skills and talents to help others around me so I could be impactful, but I could also charge for that service. And that all that extra money went right into my investment account. So what are some tips? Can you give me like, just to break it down for people who are listening, let's do three things, or maybe if you think three or five things that people need to do who are wanting to retire. Like, I know that you said there's no way just your 401k is going to do it for you. So maybe give what you, your main tips for people who are wanting to retire and to have that million dollars, at least a million dollars saved up when they retire. Mm -hmm. retire. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is you have to know that you can do it. So if, if you want to say, oh, I can't do it because, oh, well, she sold a house. And so that gave her a jump start of $30,000 or, oh, you know, she was a professor. And so surely that must be the reason why you can't use any excuses. So instead of saying what you can't do, I want you to say what you can do. Right. So that's the first step. What we can do. We have to believe that we can do it. Then the second thing is you have to know how much money you need to retire. So for me, once I sat down and I looked at my expenses and I said, well, I'm consistently only needing less than 40,000 a year. If I use a simple calculation that we use in the FIRE movement, which is the 25 times your living expenses, that gives me a million dollars or less that I need to retire on. So that's what I would say to do next. Determine your expenses. How much can you reduce them? And I have tons of ways <laughs> to reduce your expenses. We could have a whole call just on that, actually. But reduce those expenses, increase your savings rate to help you start investing. Because when you open that investment account, you'll have to know what to invest in, right? Yes. And it's, it's not that scary, okay? I know it seems scary at first, especially for women, because men typically are able to make more risk uh, decisions than women are. And I'll speak that I was one of those women. But once you get educated and you read and you take note and you have a good plan, then you can make 
educated financial decisions, and that includes investing. So once you get that investing going, you will be surprised at how fast you wanna reach your goal number. And so then you find ways to side hustle to create additional income to invest in those accounts. That's exactly what I did on my salary alone. I would probably still be working. Let's be honest. But again, the fact that you have websites like Fiverr and Upwork where you can put yourself out there as a contractor and everyone has a unique skill. Everyone has a unique talent. You have to just sit and think, what's your unique skill? And use that to create additional income. I hope that's helpful. Is that helpful? That's really helpful because you just need to get the goal in mind, believe that you can do it, and then get your budget, right? Get your budget going, figure out where you can cut costs, and then just start going for it. Start investing. If in, just means start small. Like first you said you just started off with the 401k, then you mm-hmm. sl- increased it more and more. Then you found about other ways you could actually invest to cut your tax bill down your programs that they had available for you, right? And then next thing you went off and you got a Roth IRA and invested in that. And then after that, you went in and what type of fund did you get? Did you go with Vanguard or someone like that? I did. I went with Vanguard. I also used personal capital to help me in full disclosure. I do work with personal capital. Okay. (laughs) Um, Full disclosure, I'm a financial hero because they just loved how Someone like me, everyday person who has literally bootstrapped her way through life was able to become financially independent and I used their tools. So they have free financial tools. They have a free dashboard. They have a net worth calculator. They even have retirement calculators. So if you're not really sure about the 25 times thing, you can go on there and figure out somewhat of an estimate of what you would need to retire. Well, that would be extremely helpful, actually, for people to do that, because I think that's the hardest part is to know who to go with. It's really overwhelming for people to know where to go with. I know it's I find it hard a lot of the time Mm -hmm. to know who to trust and who to go with. So it's great giving you giving us actually a recommendation that you're using. And one of like you also spoke about ways you cut costs. So you talked about food. You started going to Aldi. What about were there any other real major costs that you were able to um, make smaller for you? Yes, of course. So insurance, you always want to call your insurance providers. I would say every other year. I don't I don't jump every year personally, but every two years I'm calling around because I find that for some odd reason by that second year, my insurance just jumps for no good reason. And I'm not getting the discounts that I used to. So I always take a weekend to call around and make sure I'm getting the best rates on all of my insurance policies. So that helps save a lot as well. But it's really an individual decision to look at your budget and see what you're spending. I don't I just don't spend a lot of money. I just don't. I don't. I don't know. And and I work with women a lot, as you know, about my program and, and because the education needs to be there. And I've been a teacher for a long time, a a professor. And so I really know how to teach and I love teaching. And so it's better for me to kind of see what is it that you have going on. And then I could kind of help you assess, does that align with your values? Is that something you should be spending money on? For example, some of the women 
that I work with. I didn't even know this was a thing, Jamie. But evidently, you can subscribe to clothes, like have a clothing service that sends you clothes every month. And I said, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. And so, and they love it. And I've heard great things about it. But when I, when one of the ladies told me, well, I don't even go into the office. I haven't been into the office in almost two years because of the pandemic. So I have these boxes of clothes that I'm not wearing and I haven't been using. Do you think I should possibly pause my subscription? And I said, well, what what would you think now that you've looked at your budget and you say you're not going out as much? What would you feel comfortable doing? And she immediately said, you know, yeah, I don't think I should pay for my clothing subscription because I just have all these boxes that I haven't even opened for months. And I thought that's a great way to cut an expense that you didn't even know that you're not even you didn't even realize it. Right. So it's it's things like that. I think it is those subscriptions. They really get you a lot of the time and you forget or maybe you used to go and you don't go. Even it can happen with gym memberships or you you sign up at the first of the year and then you go for a month, but then you never go again. And it's just requires. But there's lots of things like you said, you have all your from your Netflix to tons and tons of things that we all pay for that we yeah. probably could cut cost on. So do you have them all just printed out or how do you do that when they mm-hmm. take the class with you? Yes, exactly. So I have spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. I have a PhD in analytics. So I have a spreadsheet that you have to plug everything into. And that's the first week of the program. We only look at your expenses and ways to reduce them. And and again, it's an individual type of thing, even though we do it together, it's really you taking a hard look because at that point you would have said, okay, I know what my values are. I know why I want to be on this financial freedom journey. I know why this is important to me and my family. And so I'm armed with that really good information and I know what that feeling is. And so now it makes it easier to say, you know what? I buy books on Amazon every month. Every time there's a new book, I'm buying it. And I have all these books. I have multiple bookshelves in my home of books that I've read or half read or some of them I haven't read. And I always say, guess what? There are other ways to read those very same books that may reduce your expenses, right? And so there's audio books at the library. You can get the physical books at the library. There are, there are so many other ways to read the same books without having to necessarily buy the entire book. Exactly. I ever, you know, there's lots of ways. You just got to get creative and figure out how different ways you can save that money so mm-hmm. that you can reach your ultimate goal, and that is to retire. And I, like we've talked about before, is a lot of people just think if I have my 401k, it's going to be enough. If you ask people, oh, what's your retirement plan? Well, I have a 401k. And like you told me, that's not going to be enough money. If that's what all you're planning on using and that's your plan, it's not going to work out for you. Is that? You're right. You're right. And so one thing that people can look at is go pull your 401k balance. How much money do you have invested? And think about what your living expenses are. And if you don't know what your living expenses are, you can sit down and work your budget, write it all down and multiply it out for the year and say, I need $40,000 to live on for the entire year. That includes my fun money. That includes travel, clothing, prescriptions, everything that you need to live. What is that number? And then multiply that by 25. So that's just a roundabout way 
to get a nice figure that's a good estimate. We, none of us know exactly how much money we're going to need when we retire. Nobody can tell you that, but we have ways to estimate that. So then when you get that number, then you can say, let me look at what I have now. And if I'm 40 years old and I want to retire in 10 years, but if I only have 100,000 in there and I want to retire in 10 years, and if I need 900 more thousand dollars, then I need to start investing, right? I maybe need to increase my savings rate and start investing to get there. Did your kids complain at all when you started cutting costs down or were they too little? They, they, were, they were younger, so they didn't really notice. I believe they were seven and three, seven and, seven and four when, that, when, when we went through the divorce. But what I will say is that they didn't, they, they initially noticed, yes, because we went from this huge house where they had their own playroom and they had a backyard <laughs> and so this apartment. So they did notice that, but it wasn't very long before it was normal. And they realized because I talked to them about what we were doing, what mommy's goal was. And one thing is that we never stopped taking trips. The one thing is that my children love to travel. They're kind of bougie, actually, when it comes to their travel. <laughs> They've been on multiple cruises. We've gone on flights. I've taken them in first class flights before once, once, once. And because those experiences, they never forget. They'll always remember them. And trust me, I get them toys for Christmas and January, they want new toys. And so I've learned. <laughs> yes. Can you relate? Yeah, I can relate to that. They, it's just, yeah, they want the next toy as soon as it comes out. It's like it's good for a month, but they always talk about the trips. But how do you pay, pay for these trips? Are you saving for them? Do you have any tips? Do you know something we don't know on how to save money when you go yes. travel? Yes. Let me tell you, I have so many hacks for life. So one is I definitely use credit cards because I do not incur debt and I pay my cards off each month. Okay, so I use credit cards that have travel incentives. So points cards and I don't mean cash back rewards. That's not going to help me get on this next flight to Florida. Right. I want cards that give me travel credit. So for example, Southwest Companion Pass. Hands down, one of my one of my favorite cards. It's just one of the favorite I, deals I, that I, I have. Same here. We've been using it. We always have a free companion pass. I'm one of those people see? actually. So I even had two but, free yeah. companion passes at one point. So so you've done that too. <laughs> It's a really great but a lot hack. Of you tell, don't know about yeah, it. Well, you tell them about it, Lakeisha. It's a really great one. You can give them more details. Yes. Well, I'm glad you know about it. But a lot of people do not know about the companion pass, and it does take. It does. I have actually have a YouTube video on this on my YouTube channel of how to do it. But uh, it does take some sitting down and figuring it out. It don't just make it easier. Everybody would have the companion pass, but essentially, it means that. Whenever I fly, I can take a companion with me for free. So I just pay the $10, you know, fee. There's some tax or fee. But other than that, it's a completely free flight for my companion. There are other cards that give you big bonuses when you sign up for the card. If you have a spend of maybe $3,000 in three months, then they give you 50,000 miles flight miles where you can get free flights. So I definitely use those cards to pay for my monthly expenses. 
So when I pay for my groceries, I use that credit card. When I'm paying for my mobile phone bill, I use that credit card. My insurance gets charged to that card. My internet gets charged to that card. So every my gasoline gets charged to that card. So I'm, I'm always focused on one card at a time to get the make sure I hit the spend and get those bonuses. And that enables me to travel for free a lot of the time, not every time, obviously, but I'm always looking for those travel deals. I think that was a really good tip right there. You just focus on one card at a time. I think Mm -hmm. some of us have too many cards and then we don't get any (laughs) of the incentives that we want. So is there one particular that you think is really good? Because I've been trying to find out which card to go to. I have done Southwest, but I was wondering if there was any other cards mm-hmm. that would are great for travel. Yes. Chase has a Venture card. There's also a Capital One card that has a really big bonus to it. But if let's say that you really love Delta Airlines. The Delta Airline credit card comes with a nice, sizable bonus for signing up and getting that spend in the verse it's usually three months within three months if you spend two thousand or three thousand dollars on it then they'll give you a really big bonus that usually equates to about two free round trip tickets and when you spend on the card you're still accruing double miles so more than you would get than if you just took the flight so that's how you can really add up those miles and get even more free flights and that's a really good tip there. I, I'm actually going to look into the Delta one. I really like that. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, just right there, if you wanted to take your, take your family on a vacation once a year, these are some really good tips. You said you have these on your YouTube channel, some of them? Yes. On my YouTube channel, just search for Lakeisha L. Simmons and it'll come up and I have a whole episode because I get this question a lot and I love to travel. I've been all over the world, but I'm a budget traveler. Every once in a while, when I take my children, we go all out because I want to show them what life is, what life can truly be about. That it's not all about working hard all the time. It's about enjoying yourself as well. But we don't have to buy things all the time and eat out all the time because we're working towards having a really nice trip experience. And those memories will last us forever. Oh, I love that. Um, One other thing. I just, I know time's running short here, but I just want people to get to know you maybe a little bit more. Um, When you were younger, you said you paid for college through student loans. And how were you able to pay off that student loan debt? Was that very, Mm -hmm. did you have huge student loan debt or were you able to get scholarships? So I was able to get just a few scholarships. I wasn't the best student growing up. I didn't go to the best schools. And honestly, when I was younger, because of everything that I was going through emotionally, I dealt with a lot of depression as a young girl. And so I I just wasn't the best student in high school where it really counts to get the best scholarships. So I didn't have a lot of scholarships and I worked my way through college. So I worked about 30 hours a week through college and took the student loans to pay for the rest. So once I graduated, I I knew that having that debt felt uncomfortable for me. And so when I got my first job, I really wanted to pay those loans off. So I was able to pay my loans off. I had about 30, altogether for all my degrees, I had about 30,000. I think for my undergrad degree, I had about 16 or 17,000 because I worked, again, I worked while I was going to school full time. And for my PhD, I also took out 
some small loans to get me through the PhD program. And so just working through college, figuring out how to pay off debt early. And really, when it comes to paying off debt, you just really have to focus on it. It's the same thing as focusing on financial freedom or focusing on getting a job or whatever your focus is, that's where you're going to put the most energy. So my goal was to pay off those student loans sooner rather than later so that I wouldn't have that weighing on me because it just didn't feel good to have the the debt weighing on me. So this wasn't your first time going in there, making a budget and going after a goal. <laughs> so you've always been one that's, if you set out a goal to do it, especially when it comes to tackling money goals, you've been really good at it. Well, thank you for saying that. And I guess that's true. I never really looked at it that way because when I graduated undergrad, I was so serious about living my life and saying, wow, I made it now. I made it out of the poor income that I came from. And I went to college and I graduated. I need to treat myself. And so that's what I was thinking about. You know, I wasn't really putting away for the future. So I paid off the debt, but I wasn't thinking about long term that at some point I really was going to want to possibly retire early or be financially independent. That just wasn't even a thought. It wasn't even a goal until the divorce. But you still were able to pay off that debt and you didn't leave, yeah. let it linger there. I'm telling you, you subconsciously, you are a person who's really good with your money and you should be proud of yourself. And you're also, it's amazing that you were, you're the opposite of what people always are telling us. And that is because where you come from, you don't have these opportunities and you can't make it. There's a lot of people out there with that narrative nowadays telling people they can't make it. And so to hear somebody like you saying, yes, you can. You just got to believe that you can and you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. You just got to believe it. And that was the first thing you said was you have to believe it and you have to want it. And you are a great example of that. And as, even as a single mother, you were able to do that. And that's a huge, huge thing. And you're a great voice in the community. And I'm just so excited that I'm able to share your story today. And I would love to know what live richer means to you. It's something I always ask all my guests is to have them tell the audience, what does live richer mean to you? Oh, I love this question. So live richer to me means that I know that I deserve to be wealthy. I deserve it. And I have opened my mind to the possibility and I have opened my mind and my heart to the possibility that I can be wealthy and I deserve it. And I know that I am happy, I am healthy, and I am wealthy. I love it. I love it, Lakeisha. That's awesome. And also, is there anything maybe that you would want to talk about or address that you would like to share with people as being a major voice out there for people? Yes. I'll thank you for just giving me the moment. And I just want to thank all those who have come before me who have shown me what's possible, right? From, from all the women that we see from, you know, our new vice president to the poets and to the, the athletes, to people that are just in our community that don't have big names and lights, right? So all the mentors, all the women who have mentored me over the years and who have taken me by the hand to show me how to do something or to give me motivation to keep going. I'm thankful for those women. 
And I hope that many of us will reach out and just say thank you to those who have made a difference in our community and an impact in our life. Well, you might get some people thanking you, Lakeisha. I know that your seminars and things that you do are awesome. And if you haven't gone to Lakeisha's site, Dr. Lakeisha Simmons' site, you need to. She also has a program called the Unlikely, Unlike, Unlikely Achiever, correct, Lakeisha? Yes, yes. And do you have another book too that you wrote? I just have one book for now. It's The Unlikely Achieve Her. It's a soft skills workbook, teach you how to negotiate, body language, all those soft skills, leadership skills that you need to really get that raise and promotion at work. So my next book, I hope to be The Wealthy Achieve Her, but I'm going to wait until the right opportunity comes along for me to write that book. Well, as an you unlikely achiever, you have really achieved. And everybody go out there and buy the book, do the worksheets. They're amazing. I myself am thinking I'm going to sign up for her workshop and <laughs> so that I can retire. And I want to retire early too. So even though I'm getting old, I still want to retire here soon. So thanks again, Lakeisha. And I just want to tell everyone to live richer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at livericherpod at gobankingrates.com.